welcome everyone to episode two of the Dkeds podcast. My name is Rob Dells and I'm accompanied by Sean Jessman, as always, and Damon Bednarski. Firstly, though, we'll uh, introduce and say hi to Sean first because Damon's got some exciting uh, news for us to share. So uh, good afternoon to you, Sean. Hey, Rob. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good, mate. How's things down in Packham? Uh, pretty pretty quiet at the moment. The the sun's yeah. gone away. It's raining. Not very nice out here. But yeah, right. looks like you got a fresh uh, fresh fade there as well, Sean. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. well uh, my uh, <laughs> girlfriend Molly, she's been she's been pestering me to give me a haircut yeah. last few weeks, and I caved to the pressure, and this was the end result. So, oh okay, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, let us know when she finishes that one, Sean. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we've also got the uh, the most important member here. We've got Damon. Damon Benarski. G'day, Damo. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, Rob. Good. Mate, where, so where are you, uh, Damon, at the moment? Can you just fill everyone in? Yeah, I'm up in Sydney at the moment. So one of the lucky or unlucky people that got to travel during the bubble. Um, so yeah, I'm up here with the Melbourne Renegades women's team for the women's big bash. So we're doing our um, two weeks of hotel quarantine at the moment. So I'm at the lovely Ibis Hotel with a great view of uh, ANZ Stadium. Uh, look out. And how are you finding it there, mate? It's not too bad. The food's okay? Food's good. Um, well looked after here. Um, so, yeah, can't complain. Uh, if anyone from New South Wales Health is listening. Uh, there's one thing that we did want to touch on before we went any further, and I introduced the podcast as Dickheads. Uh, and I think it's probably something that's we should touch on given that um, the first podcast we didn't, didn't introduce ourselves as that. So I might, put, I might open this one up to you uh, or Sean, Damo. Uh, what, what's D-Kids? Where'd that come from? Well, we're all one, but on a more serious note, I guess it's, it was potentially going to be the business name at one point or it was thrown out there. I don't know how serious that was. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't take that one too far, I don't think. Um, <clears throat> but it was pretty much just that we all went to uh, uni at Deakin. Um, mm-hmm. Try try not to take ourselves too seriously. And so the name Deakhead sort of sounds like another name that we may be referred to as. So <laughs> we decided to run with. Yeah, and it's, and it it's, seemed quite appropriate. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. And so people... Uh, looking at maybe the podcast cover art, they'll see a Mount Rushmore on there with uh, our three heads engraved in there. And they'll see another guy, an older gentleman on the far right, and that would be uh, Alfred Deacon. Um, so that we just sort of had to throw him in there as sort of the uh, the cornerstone of the pillar that ties us all together. So if you've seen that and uh, you wanted some clarification, that's why um, that's why Alfred's on there anyway. And uh, a bit of a background as to why... Um, why we've uh, called it Dickheads. Uh, and that's probably a good, uh, a good tie-in to the next point as well. So if you want to listen to the first episode, that's more of an introduction of uh, the podcast and who we are. You can, uh, you can have a look at that. That's up on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And I think uh, we're still waiting on some confirmation from Spotify, but that won't be too far away. Yeah, so I, think, now for... I think Spotify, I think we are Dickheads. That's why they haven't oh, let us on yeah, yet. <laughs> Uh, so today's podcast then, we should probably get into today. Um, the topic today is return to sport and getting back into the gym. So in Victoria, uh, we can see some light at the end of the tunnel in terms of going back to community sport and going to the gym. So 
we wanted to start off this first sort of topical podcast, uh, if you like, looking at effectively returning to sport and to enter the gym as well, particularly for people that have had quite some time off and that can be quite problematic. So what we want to do and in this podcast is sort of go over um, the, t- the steps you can take to um, do that safely. So we might open this up with the two resident S&C coaches and returning to sport. So if we can sort of touch on uh, the importance of returning to sport and um, what we should sort of cover uh, over the course of this podcast. The most important thing would be don't go too hard too early. And it's going to be the hardest thing to do because we haven't been able to do a lot during this lockdown. And it looks like gyms being back and sport being back might be the first thing that we're allowed to do. Um, Mm. And so I remember something that Darren McInnes told us on our first day of the internship at Core Advantage was always ask yourself, is the juice worth the squeeze? I don't know where I got that quote from. I'm sure I got it, sure I got it from somewhere. But it's essentially weighing up risk versus reward. And so if we've going back to sport, maybe end of October, mid-November, that gives you four, six weeks until a Christmas break. The reward, if you really push it, then you might be able to make some adaptations and some gains. Absolutely. But in terms of the big picture, um, these strides aren't going to be astronomical in any sense um so when you weigh that up with the risk short term if you do too much you might be too sore that um it then compromises your following sessions um which isn't the end of the world but it might affect you a little bit in the long term but the big one the big risk is if you go too hard and injure yourself then you've just gone and set yourself back you're not going to get it perfect no one's going to get it perfect i think even all, th- all three of us can say that at times we go too hard with it and we still try and find that sort of that balancing act. Um, so you just got to tinker with it. It's never going to be perfect, but always, yeah, try not to go too hard too early if you can. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's sort of the, the old, it's the new shoe effect, I think is what it is, is when you buy a new pair of runners, the, like, what you want to do is immediately go out and run like, you know, as far as you can or whatnot to sort of test them out. And I think that's what, um, that's what we might potentially see, particularly with sport and gyms opening up at the end of the month. We might see, you know, it's that, it's that effect of something's been taken away for so long, then we'll overindulge on it when we get it back. And Damo, this is probably um, a good aspect for you to touch on as well as, as an S&C coach is that you know that players, when they want to come back to training or pre-season, they've all done different things. So maybe you can sort of touch on um, that aspect as well that all these players will have and will do different things. Yeah, no, it's, that's definitely a case. So we're going to have some people that during the lockdown or isolation um, will have done minimal or the bare minimum. So, you know, they might have gone for a jog every now and then or done a bit of incidental exercise. So it might have been gone down to the park and kicked the footy with a mate or someone from their house, sorry, um, during their one hour of exercise. So, on the other hand, you're going to have people that have taken up, you know, long distance running during the period and they get, you know, they're up to running 30, 40, 50 Ks a week um, in their spare time. And they might be on the same team. So they're going to come back to training at very um, different points. So you're going to have the person that's done nothing that 
is going to blow up after running the first lap of the warm up, and then you've got the person that's done 50Ks a week leading into it that's going to want to get straight into it. So I think from a coaching perspective, it's um, as Sean sort of alluded to earlier, is that um, it's super important that I guess that four to six weeks before Christmas is more of just a reintroduction to exercise and like physical activity rather than trying to get too many gains out of it. Because those two months, like you'd have to be doing some extremely tough training. And then most of you are going to stop for Christmas for two, three weeks, drink a lot, eat a lot, and then come back and probably be, you know, five steps behind where you were in that period anyway. So using that as more as a reintroduction to sports. So um, if it's, you know, simply just reloading kicking because that's where you're going to get injuries in preseason as well. So rather than going and kicking 150 times in the first session, you know, slowly build up, start with 20, the first session, move into 30, the next. So, you know, come Christmas time, you've got that loading up and then, you know, you can really start to work on um, the fitness gains and the strength gains after the Christmas break where you get, when you're going to do, you know, a two months, possibly more pre-season and straight into a season where you're going to maintain that. So that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. And then what might be a potential aspect or, or hindrance in effectively turning to repl- uh, return to play, um, maybe a person's ego, potentially, and particularly in the team sport environment, you see or what you might see is people that are overly competitive and they want to come back fitter. And if you're a good runner, then you have to pride yourself on being able to run and you've got a bigger aerobic tank and all that sort of stuff. So people have that want uh, and that desire to be um, fit or fit in their group as well. So maybe if we can touch on how that might be detrimental, um, particularly in the team sport, if you try and uh, let your ego sort of run the race for you. Mm. I think this is one that might actually be eliminated a little bit because by the looks of it in, in Melbourne, it's going to be that it's going to start off with groups of 10 training potentially. Um, mm. So from a coaching standpoint, obviously you don't like to group people based on fitness because that obviously people are going to know what's going on there as well, but it might give you the advantage that, okay, the guys that have been doing a bit, how about you come to this group of 10 and then the people that haven't done as much go to this group of 10 so that you can sort of be a bit strategic about, how you're returning the players um, to training. There's still always going to be that competitive edge where someone's going to want to show um, what they're doing or how much they've done over the the preseason. So I think from a coaching perspective or, you know, strength and conditioning perspective is to make sure that, um, yeah, you might start off with a 2K time trial that everyone's going to be involved in, but from there being strategic in how you're planning your sessions. So, um, you know, keeping the conditioning smart so you might do mas running or something where you've got you might usually only have four groups you might have six or seven to spread out your your fitness groups across that and make sure that people are doing what they're probably capable of doing and then i guess keeping more of a skills focused in that early part rather than really flogging people so that they can slowly build into Mm. it and what we should point out is if and what we say by this is we don't necessarily want people to come back to pre-season way unfit but we also don't want them to come back like too fit as well. I think there's a problem that the preseason, preseason will get you um, or increase your level of fitness anyway, but there's also potentially an issue that if you come back too fit already, or you're trying to get yourself too fit too quickly, you still have to play another season as well. And I think the season's very long. And if you, if you don't sort of 
leave yourself some room to sort of develop your own fitness base, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a long grind uh, going into that competitive phase. Well, I think with so, that as well, um, if you're coming back thinking you're fit as a fiddle, and a lot of people would yeah. have done a lot of running, a lot of that running that people would have done, it's not quite the same as what you're then going to do at training. Mm. So mm-hmm. the the, run, the running patterns will be different because once you in, involve the skill, um, the skill of the sport, then that's going to be the main focus rather than just running for the sake of running. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. you so sorry sorry Damo Sean, are you talking then in terms of so blokes will be running sort of long like you know three k's or, or whatnot interval running? So are you specifically then talking about skill work, running with the ball, change of directions, and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, because I think that if you're, you can try and mimic drills or conditioning drills to replicate work rest ratios and that sort of thing as best as you can, but it's there's nothing that quite matches actually performing the sport. And that's not to say that day one of preseason you're going to do a practice match, but mm. it's that's still going to be different to what you were doing, just either doing your two hundreds around the outside of an oval or your MAS running up and down the field um, compared to the stop, start, change of direction, nature of skill, skill drills and performing the sport. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Damo, did you have another point there? Yeah, I think that's important too. Like if I'm, you just think about a simple lane work drill, you're kicking and then you're accelerating and running through. So, you know, it's, it's different to the running that you're doing, but that's something that you probably haven't been doing if you've been just focusing on that running thing. So a kick is, you know, a full extension exercise. So you're putting muscles through different um, ranges of motion than what they have been when you're just running at that more sort of continuous pace. And there's going to be bursts of sprinting and stuff in there. So um, 100% it's just being smart about how you return. But um, adding to the point before about if you've been doing all that running and you're super fit, um, you're going to have a lot of load under your belt. And then if you're going to go into another three month preseason and the season, um, everyone needs a rest. So I know if you've been really active during the COVID period, it's still fine if you take, you know, a couple of weeks off or you drop your load right down before you do return to sport. Mm. I think that's important so that you're, you're not running at these elevated levels the entire time and then coming back into sport and then, it's this time again next year and it's the first time you've had a rest. So you've got to be cautious with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And a little bit of an anecdote that I'm not going to name any names, but I've caught wind of uh, a few, a few boys that I know that are trying to do hundred kilometer challenges uh, for a month, effectively, effectively doing 25 K a week um, off no preparation for the next four weeks. And when you get instances of that, it's just, um, it's, it, it's, it will be detrimental and it will happen. Um, quite quickly so it's something to keep in mind and it particularly ties into uh, this next point that what we're um, going to see or what's upcoming is that this is not like a normal pre-season as well um, and particularly particularly you boys you'll know more about that and you'll touch on that a bit in a bit more detail but effectively um, all these athletes have had probably six to eight months off competitive and regular physical activity so maybe if we can touch on the fact that because this is a different preseason, how we might sort of want to go about that. Well, yeah. So you won't have that normal base to work off that you normally would have. And it sort of ties back into the previous point where you can still do all the running and all the different cross training that you, that you can 
or that's available to you. Um, but it's still not quite the same as what you would get from playing the sport. And so, because when you come, when we do come back, hopefully in the next sort of month, that level that you start from is going to be even lower or it should be even lower than what it previously would be. So again, it raises the importance of not doing too much too quickly again, because you won't have that, that base to work of that you've had the whole year, um, not only building, but maintaining as well. From a gym perspective as well, which we haven't really touched on, but um, a lot of people have been doing the home workouts and all that sort of stuff, but it's when you actually get back into the gym for the first time and actually start loading up with weight, that's going to be a big thing as well. So um, that's going to take time as well. So you're essentially starting from back from maybe not square one, but you know, square five where you're, you may have built some strength over this period and body weight and all that sort of stuff. But when you actually get back into the gym, you're going to have to start at lower weights and, and build up again. So you're going to have to do essentially a hypertrophy phase. So build the muscle mass again, mm. build the tolerance to the weights. For some people that might take three, four weeks, other people that might take six weeks, depending on how much you train. So, um, that's essentially six weeks that you've got to spend to get yourself back to, you know, general strength training, not even, mm. you know, maximal stuff. So it could be an extended period of time. So I think that's one important thing for people that maybe aren't going back into sport in the running and that, but uh, getting back into the gym is to remember that um, you've got to have a slow burn on it. And um, yeah, don't try to hit your PBs in the first session because mm. you won't be able to move for a week after that once you add the resistance. So that's an important thing to remember as well if you do go too quick, it can take a couple of weeks for it to actually show up like the over sort of the overtraining effect. Like if you start hitting the weights, like you might feel a bit, a bit of muscle soreness um, for the next few days, but you can usually after a few sessions that starts to go away, but it's more the, the effect on your tendons and your joints. Once if you ramp it up hard for a few mm. weeks, it might not actually show up straight away that sort of highlights the importance again of just building slowly and taking it, taking it gradually. Absolutely. And that's a good point there, Sean. Ramp. People would have heard ramp before. What does ramp it up mean? And, and how could people find out more about ramping it up? Good that you asked there, Rob. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they'd want to visit um, triaxperformance.com um, and check yep. out our warm-up blog. So the ramp mm. warm-up blog. Uh, so we've got ramp is raise, activate, mobilize and potentiate so that's the um, effective warm-up strategy that we sort of support and we've got a nice little article on the website about it they're very good that very good nice little plug there that was very easy and seamless <laughs> to sort of slide in there wasn't it uh, so the other point i wanted to touch on that people might sort of gloss over is the influence of incidental activity or particularly activity when you might commute to or from work or, or uni. So for instance, you might ride the bike or whatnot, you might walk uh, and how much that might actually have uh, an, an influence or an effect as well, because people wouldn't necessarily count that as exercise, but it's still something that you would have done on a regular basis. So maybe if you guys can sort of touch on that or if that's an issue or something that people should consider as well. Just from my own experience, when, when we were allowed back to work for that couple of weeks in the middle of the year or whatever it was, I was, easily getting just using steps as a guide 10,000 a day without trying. But if I'm 
at home and I don't perform any structured activity, then I struggle to get, you know, two, 3,000, which just using steps as a marker of activities and everything, and it may not seem like much because it's just walking such a low intensity activity, but it all it has a cumulative effect when you go back to March, which was six months ago, and you've got a little bit extra putting around the guts and it all starts <laughs> to add up when you're when it comes back to running and exercising as well, because that has an impact on, on everything else that you do. Well, that sort of touch on Sean about how you were saying about tendons and joints. So if you haven't had that sort of that regular sort of movement activity, what would we suggest is going to happen to those uh, tendons, joints and all the surrounding musculature during that time? Well, if you, again, going back to that first point without sounding like too much of a broken record, but if you go too hard, too quickly then you're going to run into a brick wall pretty quickly and mm. you're going to have to you're going to have to back off i saw a quote the other day is better to do so little that you're scared you didn't do enough than to have done too much and regret it later so you should really um, come out with these quotes today, sean you got any more out there mate just oh let me mate, just uh search through the notebook here but i reckon there's i reckon they're just written up in front of you on the wall there <laughs> <laughs> it's about 100 up there just so yeah tick that one off yep yep <laughs> Yeah, I'd add on on that point as well. Um, a big thing about the return to play and just physical activity is the time on feet, um, which is something that not doing the steps and your incidental stuff is what you're missing out on. So that that could that's important for kids. It's important for us as you know, sort of in our mid twenties, and then you know, older adults and stuff as well. Is that time on feet? If you're not doing that, then obviously you're going to lose the the structural side of things, but you're mm. also um, you're going to lose the ability to do things. So spend more time on your feet. So if you then go back to work and you've got a job where you stand on your feet, you're going to be buggered by the time you get home. If you you know have to do ten thousand steps, if you're coming from you know four or five thousand when you've been sitting at home primarily. So if you're then going to add on exercise on top of that, you know you're already at a much higher load than what you would normally be. So um, it's sort of gradually building that up rather than going from 5,000 steps to 25 within a day, sort of start building it up when restrictions allow you to start doing a little bit more. Absolutely. Well, I think that we've spoken enough about, you know, all the, uh, the background behind it. How should we recommend or how do we recommend people go about uh, implementing these practices safely and, and effectively going into a pre-season. So, Sean, do you want to kick us off? What What's the first step that people should really be doing? Getting back on your feet and doing something a bit more structured, that, especially, particularly back to the sport, um, starting low, building from there. I'd start to build volume and just, as Damo said, time on your feet. Not at a high level, but just getting something in before you start to build the intensity um, yep. because I think you need to, to build that solid base that you would have lost over um, this lockdown isolation period. Mm. Um, and from there, you can slowly start to, to build it um, with, with each week. And I think a big thing, particularly starting off is one thing that you can sort of start to embrace a bit more is off legs conditioning to take some of the impact out of it um, because it will be something so, that you haven't done much before. 
So when people, when you say off leg, Sean, conditioning, what does that mean for people who aren't familiar with that vernacular? So anything, any sort of conditioning or cross training that doesn't involve running, essentially. So, so some examples could be um, spin bike, the rower, boxing, um, even wrestling, um, which you will be limited depending on the equipment you have, but they're all options that you can, that you can utilize to still get the conditioning in so that you're not losing any um, any of that cardiovascular fitness, but it takes out the impact that you would get on the joints, which when starting off is something to be wary of. Mm. And it's a nice bit of variety there too, isn't it, for a training program? So if you're just running you know, running laps all day or, or whatnot, yeah. it's actually a good sort of variety, and which is particularly something you need if you go into a long and grueling pre-season as well. If we're... If you're in a contact sport, so if you're an AFL or if you're rugby league or rugby union or something along those lines, what do we suggest about contact, about actual contact training? So with, that might be skills, that might be even some tackle technique stuff. What would you recommend regarding that? Is that more of a case of, again, building slowly? Do we want small exposure? Do we not want any exposure until you're actually back into preseason? How do we feel about that, boys? Maybe, Damo, you can start us off there. Yeah, um, with contact sort of stuff, I mean... In most normal pre-seasons, um, your first few sessions aren't going to involve any tackling in those, in those sports. It's normally going to be, you know, kicking, handballing, that sort of stuff, very low um, contact opportunities. That's going to be something that is obviously a heightened risk as well. Um, so if you are going to introduce it, I'd recommend that you start with um, sort of the wrestling or the grappling style drills. So maybe start on the ground already so that you're not getting thrown to the ground when you're tackling. So it might just be with a partner um, on your knees and it's just grab each other's shoulders and do like a grappling drill there where you don't actually throw them to the ground, but you get that contact. Um, once you've built up from that and got a tolerance to that, then you can sort of go, all right, again, from like on your knees, move into a tackling motion where you actually take them to the ground Again, progress that a little bit and then you can sort of move to either doing that um, from a standing position or adding in, you know, some contact in your, your lane work drill. So it might be just getting some contact on with some bumps, different things like that. And then, I mean, most clubs that I've had experience with, you're not probably going to hit full contact until after the Christmas period anyway. But it's nice just to give some exposure in that pre-Christmas period with that sort of stuff and then move into it after that. Yeah, very good. Sean, and from a footy, like particularly footy perspective, you have anything else on that? I think Damo touched on it as well. It, it, again, sounded like a broken record, but if you just tie yeah. everything back to start small and build. Yeah, so, and then, so that will, again, so if we want to build, so we're a few weeks into it now, how do we go about building uh, how do we, and gradually sort of implementing higher load? I know that uh, particularly for um, if you're doing some running or whatnot, it's always that old, that old adage of adding 10% of a variable. So if you're doing some, uh, doing some running, particularly sort of maybe like interval or distance running, it might be increasing you know, distance by 10%. It might be for intervals. It might be doing an extra rep or whatever it might be. So if we want to talk about now building upon, um, building upon your training, uh, particularly into the pre-season. So, Sean, if you want to start us off there. Um, I guess, as I said before, if you're going to start by just getting some volume in and building from there, once you've sort of got that, you can start to either, you can hold it there or build it a little bit more, but then start to focus on your intensity as well. Which so, you can so get. volume, volume for, for people there is purely, purely talking about distance 
an actual duration of actual sessions there, aren't yep. we? We're not necessarily talking about high speed stuff. We're talking about essentially that old, that old saying of being kilometers in your legs. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So essentially what Damo was getting back to as well before just time on legs as well as total distance. From there, that's when you'd start when you've not got your desired volume, but like t- total distance, but around about sort of 80-ish percent, I'd say. Um, that's when you can start to up the intensity a little bit more and you might do that through some uh, small sided gains which you can sort of manipulate um, depending on the constraints that you use to make it harder or easier you can change the running drills as you said rob to increase distance mm. or even to shorten distance yeah absolutely damo you've got a lot of experience particularly upping intensity with soccer and a lot of um, pre-season work with soccer do you want to sort of talk about um, incorporating that intensity because I know they like to do a lot of on-ball sort of skill work um, like as to complement their training as well. Yeah, so it's a similar sort of thing to what Sean was touching on. Um, most of the time it's going to be small-sided games conditioning. So you'd be looking at if you're going to increase the intensity. So you can do that a couple of ways, but normally it's either expanding the playing um, area or reducing the number of players in the game so that's a way that you can increase intensity because the player has to cover more space when you expand the size or when you take the number of players down um, again there's they're going to have to cover more area within that space and have more accelerations and movements to get the ball um, because there's less players in there so that's a simplified way of looking at it but again it all really comes down to what Sean was talking about before when we're upping it is the relationship between volume and intensity. So yeah, the 10% rule is great. Um, and that's how you need to apply it. But with volume and intensity, obviously we can't operate at hundred percent volume and hundred percent intensity. It just doesn't work. Um, we, we can't run um, as fast as we can for 10 Ks. Uh, it's just <laughs> not possible. So um, it's making sure that when, if we do increase the intensity by 10%, we either got to hold the volume the same or drop it down to make those accommodations. So don't keep, you know, doing five mm. kilometers um, every session or, you know, more than that. And then just keep upping the intensity. You have to compromise a little bit. So if we're going to work harder, um, we work for a little less time. So um, Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Cause I think a lot of people get confused by that 10% thing is that if you're going up by 20, 10%, they think everything has to go up by 10%, but very important to only emphasize that you do one of those variables at a time. So that's good. Um, Damo, and Damo and Sean both touched on these things called small-sided games earlier on. And I think, just off memory, I think there might be a blog post coming up about that soon. So just keep out for that if you want to learn a bit more about that. I think I might have written that one, but yeah, we'll see how we go. And then, so the last part about this as well, or the last part about the recommendations is probably to have a more or a greater emphasis upon your own recovery. So uh, particularly with like a short, shortened preseason and and basically a lower base to work from, it's important that you take pride in your your recovery and and your methodologies around that. Particularly if if you're coming back into sport and and contact training and all that, you have to make sure that you're taking care of your body and you're doing the right things surrounding that to sustain yourself for the pre-season. And and there also might be a blog about recovery on the website as well if you want to check that one out. So the plugs, it's plugs galore in this podcast. I'll tell you what, it's a lot of of free advertising. There's a lot of me time uh, for you here, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, I 
I just delegate to the to the wisdom that you two impart upon everybody else. So I'm just trying to facilitate and, and sort of dish out. I'm sort of like the Jimmy Butler of uh, of this um, of this trio at the moment. So if you've seen Game Three of the NBA Finals, why run to Miami and Jimmy Butler? There you go. So um, maybe actually before we gloss over it, any particular recovery things that you guys think are important before we sort of wrap up? I think sleep is the Mm. Biggest, biggest. Lo- it's low hanging fruit as well. Yeah. Easy to get right. It's a small thing you can do that yields a large result. Absolutely, and it's very. Uh, well, I should say it's taken for granted, isn't it? Really, like people just don't. But it's because it's not something that people see someone else do or, or whatnot. It's like a, not like ice or something or an ice bath where you know other people see you doing it. So, Damo, any other recovery techniques from you, mate? Uh, for me, again, it's one that's pretty obvious, but hydration, especially at our mm. sub elite. Uh, amateur level make sure it's um water not beer what you after your session you know make sure that's mm. the, the right kinds <laughs> of fluids to get it right um and that's coming from me who probably is not the greatest advocate for that but um <laughs> yeah, yeah but making sure that you do the right things especially 24 48 hours post whatever you do outside of that's up to you but yeah look after yourself mm. especially with a warm summer coming up for pre-season as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and a strong advocate of the, the Sunday sesh too, in terms of recovery, not the, uh, not the one at Arbury or, or on St Kilda foreshore. Definitely go to the, do some active recovery on a Sunday and some nice sort of pool work and, and all that sort of stuff as well to help you out. Well, I think we might wrap it up there for this uh, installment of the Deakhead's Performance Podcast. So if you want to find us, uh, you can subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify will be coming soon as well. So just keep a lookout for that one. And also, if you could leave a rating as well on, the, uh, on those forums, that'd be great. It really uh, helps us out a lot. So we'd appreciate if you could do that. And if you have any comments or questions as to um, future topics or anything surrounding what we've talked about today, feel free to, to, to leave them, particularly uh, on YouTube, or you can get in contact with us on our social media as well. So, Sean, you want to go through the socials, please? Uh, social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, otherwise, you can check out our website, trikesperformance.com. Very good. And how do people email us, Damo, if they want to get in contact as well? Yep, uh, admin at triaxperformance.com. Oh, look at that. Sensational. Well, that'll do us uh, for this episode. We thank you all for tuning in and uh, look forward to next week's episode where hopefully uh, Sean's haircut will be finished. So uh, thanks very much today, boys. (laughs) 